want to encourage you tonight in your walk with God how to fall-proof your life. God hasn't called you to fall away. God has called you to endure. Scripture says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Amen. And if you're not careful, you'll buy into a teaching that's become more and more prevalent in the modern church that says, well, you know, if I just fall away, there's grace to cause me to come back. And how many are glad for the grace and mercy of God? But listen carefully, there's also a grace that will keep you. Amen. There's a grace that will cause you to be forgiven if you blow it. There's also a grace that will give you strength not to blow it. I'm talking to the Overcomers Club, right? Amen? Okay. Say with me, grace, if I fall, grace to prevent me from falling. And the reason I bring this up is even though we talk about uh, the restoration of God, and, and I don't know anybody in this room that hasn't you know, blown it big time, and thank God God forgave us. Amen? Amen. Thank God for that mercy. Uh, but what we have to understand, and especially in this season that we're in right now, there's always damage that occurs during a fall. It's not just I've fallen and I can't get up and he got me up and everything's just fine. There's damage that takes place in the midst of the fall. And so what the Lord wants you to do is grab a hold of the message of grace that will sustain you and keep you. And be aware of the influences that are out there that will cause you to fall because there are many of them. Look at somebody say there are many of them. Micah 7, 8 is a wonderful scripture. I'm going to read it to you from the King James Version. Uh, Micah 7, 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I will what? I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. So the good news is we don't stay down. In fact, I would dare say that uh, everybody in this room, if you decided just to stay down, you wouldn't be here tonight anyway. <laughs> you know, If you can relate to that, raise your hand. And you have the same mentality. When I fall, guess what? I shall arise. In Proverbs 24, 16, for though the righteous fall seven times, they what? They get back up again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. How many, uh, how many uh, you know, calamities or difficulties does it take of the, the wicked to endure before they go down? Just one. And here you are. You're taking a licking and you're keeping on ticking. Amen. Glory to God. Say it. I'm not a quitter. At the same time, you know, when we talk about, uh, you know, building and structures and people investing a lot of money and things, they, they will, from time to time, rust-proof those things. Amen? I mean, if you have something nice, you don't want it just to rust out. Like my 1967 uh, Ford Mustang. Over every wheel well in the entire trunk area would rust out. That's why they used to call them Bondo Mobiles. And uh, that's just the way it was. You do your best, but eventually that rust is going to get it. It's the same thing when you, when you talk about prevention. All we're saying is rust-proofing is the prevention of, of rust. Waterproofing is, of course, you know, preventing the water from permeating some kind of a surface or making something impervious to water. What we want to do is fall-proof your life, make you impervious to a spiritual fall. Now, we're not talking about being arrogant. Well, that'll never happen to me. I'll never do. I mean, I understand you talk like that, you're setting yourself up for a failure. What you can do is you can say, you know what? I'm going to walk in the spirit of God. I'm going to walk in the precepts of God's word. What I'm going to do is let him lead me by his grace and mercy and power to a position, amen, where I become impervious to 
that fall. Because if you fall, especially right now, yes, you get back up again, but there are some things that, um, that can happen that uh, you can only prevent by preventing the fall. And some falls, how you know, are very cataclysmic and very obvious. And some folks fall a long way. Sometimes it's very slow and gradual in the process, and people lose themselves spiritually, you know, a little bit here and a little bit over there. And, uh, you know, it eventually will show up as a fall. But regardless, you and I can become impervious to the attempts of the enemy to cause us to stumble and to fall. This is a time for standing, not for falling. Come on, say, I'm going to stand and not fall. We know if we do fall, we shall arise. But your faith can't be in falling. Does that make sense? Or you set yourself up automatically to, to go by the wayside. And so there's a, there's a level here where we have to get to where our, our faith is no longer, I'm going to blow it and he's going to forgive me, but guess what? I'm going to stand and I'm going to be victorious in this situation. First Timothy talked about this. In fact, the Spirit of God prophesying to Paul through Paul to his son Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will what? Some will abandon the faith. Now that is not something that happened to me. That is a willful denunciation of the one that purchased them. Some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving, seducing spirits and things taught by what? Demons. So watch this. There are there are seducing spirits, and what a seducing spirit does is it gradually moves you away from right believing and from right conduct. Say that with me, gradually. That's the sinister part of this. The other aspect is that it mentions things that are taught through what? Demons. Well, how many of you know that we have never announced in this church, demon so-and-so is coming to speak for us on Sunday? I mean, have you ever heard about a seminar where they actually announce demons such and such is coming to be a special guest speaker at the seminar? Of course not. Nobody advertises that the demon spirit is actually going to be there teaching. So who is the demon spirit teaching through? Through so-called preachers and teachers of the so-called word in churches and in pulpits and in, you know, ballrooms, wherever they happen to be. These teachings, these demonic teachings, aren't coming from the demon of the week guest appearing on some TV show. They're coming through people who are in the ministry. Are you here today? Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Can you see that a falling uh, communicator here is preaching a falling message? And the result is going to be more, more falling people in terms of the body of Christ. Go to Second Peter just by way of introduction. And you can see that, that there are several of the apostles that, that are concerned about the concept of, of hanging in there and not falling away. And we'll spend some time in the book of Jude tonight. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't fall away. It's time to fall away. It's time to hang in there. Amen? Church's best days are ahead of it. Everybody say signs and wonders and miracles and souls. What a wonderful thing. Glory to God. Amen. He is for you. In Second uh, Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world 
caused by evil desires, and pays to be a word person. Everybody say, everything I need. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness into goodness, knowledge into knowledge, self-control into self-control, perseverance, and a perseverance, godliness, and a godliness, brotherly kindness, and a brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that doesn't sound like somebody falling, does it? This sounds like somebody who's actually rising. If you possess them in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will what? You will what? Never fall. So is it possible for a believer to never fall? Let me try that one more time. Is it possible for a believer not to fall? Yes, it is. So the excuse, well, that's just the way it is. We're all just going to do this, and we're all just going to do that. Listen, stop being a part of that big crowd that, you know, everybody's doing this. and everybody. That's like when you're in high school. Well, they're doing it, so I'll do it too. Well, all these Christians are falling, so I'll do it too. That's a pathetic way to live. Amen? It's possible, according to the apostle, that you can't uh, fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So down here, you hang in there. Amen. And on the other side of this is God's promise of his eternal kingdom for you and for me. Go to Jude and let's look at some of the consequences of what happens when somebody falls. We're just going to take a trip through this whole book. It's, it's huge. It's a huge book. Hallelujah. But how many know, just like sermons, it'll have to be five hours long to be potent. <laughs> this is a potent book. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Kept by whom? By Jesus. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, he wanted to talk about soundness, wholeness, soteria. He wanted to talk about shalom. But guess what he was impressed by the Spirit to talk about? I mean, sometimes you come to church and like, I don't know why a pastor's preaching on that, because apparently you need it. Amen. Uh, there are churches that the entire calendar is laid out week by week. What, what section they're going to preach on, what scripture, what the message is, everything, even the points and the principles. That's not how it works in the Word Spirit-filled church. We're directed by whom? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need certain things when we need them. We have, you know, deficiencies in certain areas, or God's wanting to encourage you in a certain area. He's wanting to build your faith in a certain area. That's how this works. So Jude doesn't get to write what he wants to write. He had in mind he wanted to talk about this wonderful salvation. I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Now he's talking about contending, first of all, standing up for what is right for the truth, but also contending in your own life that you don't give your ears and your eyes your attention and fall by the wayside by, by the same influence. Now watch how this works. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago, have secretly slipped in among you. So where are these influences? They're in the church, capital C. They, they don't like to come out on Wednesday nights, so just relax, okay? They typically don't like to come out on Wednesday nights. 
but they do come out. A couple of years ago, we had a, a, a conference for women in uh, the church that we planted over in Katie's, uh, you know, Word of Hope, and, uh, you know, Renee Branson, who's Brother Osteen's secretary for years and runs the missions program for Lakewood and Tammy went over to do this meeting, and, uh, and somebody thought they would show up, an actual witch, and try to gobble up whatever demon Tammy was going to cast out during that meeting. And, uh, and she called, as Tammy would, she called the thing out. And I can tell you this, that there was a, uh, a backstory to that, and, and I'll tell you that there are people that do slip in to these settings, and they're not doing it because they love the worship, or they want to hear the word, or you hear it. They have an evil intent, an evil design, and you've got to be people of discernment. Let me say it again. You've got to be people of discernment. If, if they wrote this, then this is a very real threat then, and it's an even big, bigger threat right now. And so read on with me about this. They're, they're godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. How many times have you heard about that? You can't possibly walk away from God. You can't possibly abandon the faith. There's nothing you can do. You just you hang in there one day, praise the Lord, hallelujah, no matter how you live, it's all going to be just fine and dandy. According to Jude, that's a heresy. You don't say I'm saved and live any which way you want to. And that little doctrine is going to send a lot of people to hell. But those same people that would teach that don't even teach a hell anymore. How convenient. I live like hell. I should go there, but there is no hell, so I won't. That's twisted, isn't it? Uh-huh. It says, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt. Whose people? His people, but later destroyed those who did not believe. Are you saying, Pastor, the Lord can deliver his people and destroy them? I can't believe God would do something like that. That's because you don't understand the full nature of God. You understand only certain aspects or attributes of God, but God is also a mighty judge. Now, he's talking to New Testament Christians here. He's not talking to Old Testament saints here. He's telling them God delivered them, and then what happened? There was destruction because of rebellion to his ways. Those that fell got the penalty for that perversion or that fall. Look what he said. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness bound with everlasting chains for judgment on that great day. So now as people are judged, the angels are judged, you see a pattern going on here? Everybody say, thank God for the truth. That's in Jude. You know that what this kind of teaching and preaching does? It gives you desire not to fall. It bursts in you a desire to walk circumspectly before the Lord and carry out what we're supposed to do as a, as a house of God. He goes on to say in a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up. You see this? This is willful behavior. Gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. It was a real judgment. It was in response to perversion. And this is foreshadowing the fire that is to come. I believe Jude knows what he's talking about. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, 
churches can't fall over each other fast enough to back away from God's pure teaching on sexuality in the human life. They can't be woke enough. They can't be tolerant enough. And somehow Jude has got to scream into this present day, into this present church and say, hey, wait a minute, I haven't changed my standards at all. And just because you won't preach, it's not going to change the end result. And just because it's called hate speech and called inappropriate and, and somehow intolerant, well, guess what? When you're God, you can be intolerant. You write the rules. Amen. Well, God didn't care about that stuff. He didn't write about that. That's Old Testament stuff. You also banned, you know, you know eating, eating shellfish, bless God. I don't see anything in Jude about shellfish. Nothing. But you have a generation marching straight into perdition and the church deciding it's better for the world to like us than to speak the truth in love. Amen. God doesn't hate anybody. But that doesn't mean he agrees with what? So listen, you say, that's what they're doing. What they're doing is their business. It's none of my business. You know, that tendency for you to back away in your mind and heart from the truth is making you susceptible to a fall. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. And even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him. He said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand. And what things they do uh, understand by instinct like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain, they have rushed for profit in the Balaam's heir. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. How many glad this is not a 20-chapter book? Just say what you feel, Jude. Just say what you feel. Go right on out. Oh. I mean, you understand, he was not happy about something happening in the, in the church of Jesus Christ. And folks, this is early in the history of the church. <laughs> Jude would say today <laughs> if he was the guest speaker. You know, uh, the, the early church fathers and, and the, the original apostles and those that followed him, they didn't care about popularity contests. They didn't care if you liked the sermon or not. Boom. I mean, people like Whitfield, people like Wesley. Wesley would preach in a church in the morning, and guess what they would do? They would drive him out. He'd go to another church mid-morning, they'd, they'd drive him out. He'd go to church in the afternoon, they'd drive him out. He'd go preach in a field, they'd unleash bulls and, and cows to disrupt his service. And yet they still come by what? The thousands. Amen. See, it's, it's not just the world that the truth has to contend with. Amen. Say it with me, I want the truth. Lift your hand and say, I want the truth. Nothing but the truth. Glory to God. Why? Because the Lord is interested in you not falling. Somebody else can make up their own mind, their own decision. 
that he wants you to stand fast in these days. Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way. All the harsh words, ungodly sinners. You know, he likes that word ungodly, doesn't he? How many get the impression he's dealing with ungodliness here in the church? <clears throat> These men are, are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their, evil, their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. It looks, uh, it looks bad, but how many know we don't have to be a part of that? Amen? This is a pastor. I want all of our people to be victorious. There are two things coming to the household of God across the country. And you'll really start seeing it manifested in the coming new year and beyond. There, there are two paths that you're going to see very distinctly. You're going to see a great falling away. And you're going to see a great firing of those who remain. You're going to be more on fire than you've ever been in your entire life. You're going to be more in love with God than you have ever been in your entire life. You're going to be more soul conscious than you've ever been in your entire life. You're going to see more miracles, signs, and wonders than you've ever seen in your entire life. You are not going down the path, amen, of destruction, of falling away. You're going to stand up, amen. And those that do, those that avoid that spirit, the spirit of this world that's crept into the church, you're going to see mighty things happen. You're going to be so glad you stood. Having done all to stand, what do you do? You stand. Come on, say it. Having done all to stand, what am I going to do when I've done all to stand? I'm just going to keep on standing. I'm just going to keep on, you know, doing what God has told me to do, assigned to what you're called to do, and stay at it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I mean, you know, Jesus, you know, started with a few people that he called, and, you know, and then a few hundred started following him, and then a few thousand started following him, and and the day that uh, he performed the, the miracle, the, the multiplication of the food, there could have been as many as 50,000 people there. And then Jesus had to preach that message about eating his body and drinking his blood. And guess what? Just like that, the entire house was empty, except for the 12. And he looked at them, and he said, y'all going to leave too? And what did Peter say? With all of his warts, what did Peter say? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That was actually part of our liturgy in the Lutheran church growing up, and it stuck to me this day. I could still hear the music. You have what? The words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? We're not going. And yet, when he was arrested, how many people stayed by his side? On the day he was crucified, who was there? The 50,000 was reduced to one plus his own mother. Amen. Supernatural uh, boldness and courage and devotion on John's part. God had plans for him. Amen. I tell you, uh, there's, there's two tracks, and uh, I'd like to tell you that everybody that falls away is going to come back, but I can't tell you that. But I can tell you this, that everyone that stays in there, unless God just absolutely set them on fire, you're about to have the most exciting days you've ever had in your entire Christian life. Every day is going to be an adventure for you. Jerry Savelle, you know, his magazine, Adventures in Faith and his ministry, that's what it's going to be for you. Adventures in faith. Adventures in faith. It's hard to deal with these things, you know, uh, corporately in the average American church. You know, people can't, can't take any level of correction whatsoever. 
I like getting feelings hurt and offended and put out. And, and that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. Instead of taking what's necessary to cause you to stand and go to the next level. Amen? Tell you what, read Jude every day for two weeks. <clears throat> and you know, the word will sanctify you. Hallelujah. In Jude 17 through 19, it, it, it plainly points out to us the influences that cause us to fall. It gets real specific about what you need to do in your margin, in your paragraph. It may say something about perseverance, and there's nothing wrong with that, but understand what he's saying here. Let me just, just read, uh, let's just read these verses. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. Now, now he says that word again, remember. See what he's doing here? He's not talking to people who haven't heard these things before. What's he saying? Remember. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires these are the men who divide you and follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. Now write these three things down. These are the influences you need to be aware of and you don't need to have anything to do with them. I don't care who they are. They could be relatives. They could be friends, fellow church members. If you see this Spirit coming out of them and you want to walk and stand instead of fall, you do not allow these influences in your life. Not on YouTube, can I have a good amen? Not on Facebook, not in a church, not in a special conference. There comes a time and you need to say, you know what? I'm just tired of the spiritual poison and I'm shutting down right now. I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to drink this. I'm not going to partake of this. Because a lot of people have this idea that I can feast on the pure word for a while and come over here and get some candy, some cotton candy, and some nonsense and some junk, and everything's going to be okay. No, you just might have somebody slip in that influence that will be the seed for your fault. I mean, once you've been enlightened and once you've tasted the Spirit of God and once you've been walking in the Word of Faith, once you understand how powerful the Word is, you don't want to go somewhere else. I mean, I just be, put it out there as plainly as I can. I'll never understand a parent who's been baptized in the Holy Ghost tongue-talking and raised their kids in an untongue-talking church. Are you here? Why? Because we're in a day where we're going to need our kids to have every weapon they can have. Julianne's latest thing is to walk around picking up Sarah's and Tim's Bible. She'll pick it up and she'll go, Bible, Bible, Bible. I hope she always picks up the Word of God. Amen? And just feasts on the Word of God. This first one is simply this. Those who scoff and mock the truth. The Bible says God cannot be mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. They scoff and mock the truth. Scoff about the Holy Spirit, scoff about the supernatural, scoff about God's message of abundance, scoff about the fact that He's coming again, scoff and laugh about a hell, scoff and laugh about the fact that we hold to the Word of God and we're just ignoramuses because we still believe that stuff, we still hold on to the truth. Scoff and mock. You do not need to be around a scoffing or mocking spirit. Period. Because if you're not careful, that little seed will get on the inside of you. And instead of receiving the word, you'll question everything the word of God says. Question what men say. Hold to the integrity of the word of God with all of your heart. 
Judge what we say by that word. Do not judge that word. You are not in position to judge the word of God. Understand it, get revelation, yes. You talk about judging prophecies, yes. Sermons, yes, against the word of God. But hold to a high view of the integrity of the word of God. Because we are in a crisis right now. It's not longer uh, you know, about uh, seeing the, the plan of God to redeem this, this, this sin-laden world and sticking to a focus on a, on a missional understanding. You know, it's almost like what's the point of having missionaries if there's no hell? Are you here today? If there's nothing to avoid, then what are we doing? We're all a bunch of pathetic losers and liars. Building churches, spending billions and billions of dollars, sending people around the world for what? For something that doesn't even exist. They scoff and they mock. Well, God loves everybody, so everybody's going to be saved. God would not send anybody to hell. He's a loving God. They missed the whole point. I mentioned the, the illustration of being in a forest fire. Another one is being, being on like the Titanic, and it's sinking. It was sinking when God found it that way. You understand what I'm saying to you? And he sends a lifeboat. And he tells you this is the only lifeboat. And you decide I'm not getting on the lifeboat. God didn't send you to the bottom of the sea. You sent yourself to the bottom of the sea because you wouldn't get on the SS Jesus. And it's just that simple. It's not God sending somebody to hell. They're already headed there. He's trying to interrupt the journey. That's why this is so diabolical that people would believe this, but I'm talking not about doctrines of demons from some magazine or some, some school or some, some humanities class at Mercy. I'm talking about in pulpits all over the country. Telling people there is no hell. Oral Roberts' uh, son in the, in the faith, Carlton Pearson, started preaching this nonsense. And went from thousands and thousands of people to 200 and felt perfectly justified because he was holding to the ultimate truth. Or Roberts personally went to him and said, son, this is, this is heresy. And basically to go in one ear and out the other. I'm just telling you that in mighty men of God like he can fall. Amen. Take heed to yourself, least you what? Least you fall. And it starts with stuff like this, people mocking, making fun of, marginalizing the standards, even though they're tough and they're hard and, and the flesh doesn't like it. Don't be a person who entertains the mocking and the scoffing at the Word of God. Sometimes it can be as simple as laughing at something, sneering at something. You, somebody says, well, what are you believing for? And you tell them, and they, they mock you or they sneer, they laugh under their breath. That is not a person you want to hang around. You don't want to hang around? You want to hang around, around a person that says, I agree with you in Jesus' name. And it's happening, glory to God. We're going to believe God. You're going to see that thing come to pass in your life. You don't want somebody mocking your faith, scoffing at the things of God. Jesus is the only lifeboat. Listen to this. Mockers of the truth will lead you to a fall if you listen to them. Every single time. Number two, those who yield to various ungodly lusts. Lusts or any strong desire, not just sexual, this is the way they live. They live their life from one fulfillment of one desire after another. Voices telling you it's okay 
to do certain things, to expose yourself to certain things that you know in your heart as a child of God they're wrong. No matter who licenses some behavior or some practice, and your heart is telling you don't partake, what should you do? Stay away from it. Amen? But now it's about we have liberty. We can do whatever we want. We can eat whatever we want. We can smoke whatever we want. We can drink whatever we want. You need to let the Holy Ghost be the determining factor about what you do and don't do. Watch this. The law could govern us to a certain extent, but really all it did was expose what we were doing wrong. The Holy Spirit is not a lower standard of living. He's a higher standard of living. Does that make sense? For example, the law can say, thou shalt not steal. But it's the Holy Spirit that tells you, tomorrow I want you to go out giving out $20 bills wherever you go. Are you keeping thou shalt not steal? Yes, but it's far below walking in step with the Spirit of God for your life. He's the one that can tell you. The Bible can tell you, you know, love your neighbor or can love your wife, but the Spirit of God will tell you specifically what your wife needs or your husband needs. That's a higher standard. Say it, the Holy Spirit brings a higher standard than the law. So when you're having somebody that you're listening to live a lifestyle where something they say is okay to do, or some practice, or some lust is being fulfilled, understand this. When you expose yourself to that, you begin the seduction process. And one day you wake up and you're allowing things in your life that you didn't think you'd ever allow. Amen. Uh, you know, there, there are some people in the body of Christ that uh, this could be preached every day till Jesus comes. And we're not necessarily going to drill through the wood. Amen. Come on, say my wood is drillable. Amen. Compromisers of God's holy standard will lead you to a fall if you expose yourself to them. Amen. One of the best things you can do is tighten your circle of close friends. They're not walking with God. They're not going the same path as you. Uh, you can be nice and friendly. You can be encouraging and all that, but you've got to tighten that circle. Amen. And it's no fun. Uh, you know, when you're first born again on fire for God, how many you notice that uh, your, cir- your circle tightened without your help? <laughs> it wanted nothing to do with you. But now you might have to be a little more proactive because this influence is not out there in the world. Does that make sense? Number three, those who, uh, um, those who cause division among Christians. Romans 16, 17, Paul says, stay away from those people. Have nothing to do with them. This is why Paul told us to stay away from people like this. Some are in local churches, some in church organizations, some in YouTube channels, and all they do is criticize and cut down other ministries and ministers and other believers. They're negative all the time. They're pessimistic all the time. Um, the latest one I heard the other day was uh, Joe Olstein bought a $67 million plane. Uh, so passenger plane and uh, another guy got on the air and he, he showed based on Joel's net worth he couldn't possibly afford that plane well I can just help you out here that uh, everything he's done where he does these nights of hope he flies there with other people on staff amen but can God use a tool like that to advance the gospel yes he can and the, the body of Christ needs to get to the place where who are you to judge the faith of somebody else He's not your servant. 
He's not your servant. And you hear these people just talk just horribly, you know, about what he's done. He, he didn't even take a dollar from Lakewood. Everything he has, he's gotten off of royalties off of his books. Much of that he's given away. Amen? But you'd be amazed how many, you know, deaf and dumb Christians will just listen to that stuff and get it in their ear while people are being criticized and chewed upon, you know, and, and everything that uh, they think is wrong about that person. And, and what you don't realize is it's influencing somebody. Yeah, that's right, bless God. I was recently uh, contacted by a ministry, and they were contacted by a reporter for the Houston uh, Chronicle. is an award-winning reporter. And uh, they said they want to know about a, a couple things, and they even came to their church and acted like a nice, normal person, even liked their church on Facebook. They said, what should we do? I said, don't talk to them. I said, I can't tell you what this guy's doing, but it has nothing to do. We like your church. There's going to be some kind of expose trying to use you to get to somebody else. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened this week. They're going after some of our fathers in the faith because they don't like what they live in or they don't like what they drive or they don't like, you know, what they preach, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? They're not your servants. Meanwhile, in one county in Texas right now, there are 2,200 people, kids, that cross the border illegally, and their education is being paid for, and their housing is being paid for, and their medical is being paid for. Everything's being paid for, and they have no business even being in our country. That's a story you should investigate. Let me help you out here. Years ago when I was in college, somebody criticized the man of God in my hearing. I was just a baby Christian. I was a sophomore in college. And they criticized the man of God. And for a long time, I just held that kind of, held that person at arm's length that could have had a tremendous impact on my formation back then. All it took was one person. I'm not talking about a preacher even. I'm just talking about somebody else in school said a snide comment that caused me to back away from somebody who could have absolutely helped me spiritually. That's how this happens. You do not want to be that Christian that causes another person to stumble because you've caused division in the body of Christ. I like your brother Copeland said one time, God said to him, you know what the biggest problem is in the body of Christ? And he was like, this should be good. <laughs> What's the biggest problem? He said, it's your dog of determination to correct one another. The Lord said, I'm the father and I'll do the correcting. That's it. I'm not talking about not saying things about doctrines that are hellish and stuff like that. We have to, you know, we have to address the truth, especially those of us that are in the ministry. But God hasn't called you to sow discord among the brethren. He's called you to sow unity among the brethren. Because that's where the power is, according to Psalm 133. The anointing and fruitfulness, amen, like the dew. And the anointing on Aaron's beard and fruitfulness, souls because of that unity. Those who scoff and mock the truth, those who yield to various ungodly lusts, and those who cause divisions among Christians. Sowers of strife, discord, and offense will lead you to a fall if you allow yourself to be influenced by them. Amen. I remember years ago, um, Brother Mark had a, a couple people in college ministry that started preaching Judaism. Got to fulfill the law as well as walk with Jesus and blah, blah, blah. You know, the real irony is, I've heard that these two kids now no longer even espouse that doctrine, but while they were here, they were ramming it down other college students' throats. About that time, I preached a message on the book of Galatians. Some of you might remember it's about the good news of Jesus Christ. It's about the freedom we have in Christ, that we don't keep the law. Amen. Jesus has fulfilled the law. What we do is keep Jesus. That's what, that's what we do. 
out of six or eight messages, that was it. They didn't want to hear about it anymore. And you'd be amazed how easily people who've been sitting under the word all their lives bought that nonsense hook, line, and sinker. To Paul, it was a serious offense, accepting Christ and going back into the bondage of, of Judaism. With all respect to our Jewish brothers and sisters, guess what? Jesus fulfills it all. He fulfills all the celebrations, all the festivals, amen, the temple system. He fulfills it all. And if you want to go back to practice that stuff to get some insight about who Jesus is to us, you understand what I'm saying to you? But to do it because you think it's required of you, that is not what we need the body of Christ to be in bondage to all over again. And Paul had some pretty strong language to those people that preached it. Amen. And apparently they were men because he said, why don't you just go and emasculate yourselves? Ladies, I mean, he wasn't talking about you, obviously. What am I saying to you? It never just takes one person out. Watch this. Anybody who has ever been guilty of plucking somebody out of their church or their ministry with their mouth, with their behavior, with their discipline, whatever it is, they need to repent and they need to repent fast. Because it's about over. It's going to be fall or fire. Come on, say it, church. Fall or fire. And God is merciful and God has been patient. But one of the worst things you can do is pluck another person with your attitude out of their assigned place. Amen. Because you got your feelings hurt or you didn't agree with this or you like this or you don't like that. Listen, all that stuff doesn't matter. What matters is doing the will of God in this earth. Amen. What matters is being what God's called you to be. And when you can't receive correction, the pastor can't get you to where you're supposed to be. It's over. You stop growing. See, Pastor, what happened? I can tell you every time I've seen this on the campus, every time I've seen this in this church and other churches around the country, people I know in the ministry, every time somebody does this and they get dislodged from their place because of this kind of influence, they stop right there. Watch them 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, and they are still at the same place. Amen. Pass them by, you might even hear them hissing at you. Amen. Kelly and I were out to dinner several weeks ago. Somebody walked by that had that same spirit. And I thought, I could have swore they were growling at me as they went by. Maybe it's just my stomach. Maybe I was just hungry that day. <laughs> but I mean, just, you get just, just dead, eaten up, eaten up with bitterness and stuck. Say it with me, the bitter soul gets stuck. Amen. Souls of strife, discord, and offense will lead you to a fall if you allow yourself to be influenced by them. And someone that's like that pulling on you, say, you know, I love you, but I can't go down the path you're going down. I will always love you. You're my brother, you're my sister. That's not going to change, but I cannot go down the path with you to fall. I'm on the path of fire. Come on, say it by faith. I'm on, the, I'm on the path of fire, not the path of fall. I like to tell you there's five or ten other paths, but there are not. This in-between land where Christians have been living in America for years, uh-uh. Say it with me. We're going to be on fire or we're going to fall. 
The fourth thing he talks about here is those who follow the flesh instead of the spirit. This is where the flesh directs, the self directs, the carnality directs, sometimes because they're bored, sometimes because they have what I call the itch. They just have to move every couple of years just because they got an itch. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, as, uh, as simple as the grass is always greener on the other side, and guess what? It's not. People that are scoffing or mocking, people who are yielding to ungodly lust, people who cause division among the people of God in the house of God, and those who follow the flesh in terms of their direction instead of the spirit, you need to make sure that you not expose yourself and be influenced by that. Because they're there. Amen. The Bible says that uh, sons and daughters of God are those who what? Walk after the Spirit. We're the heirs and the joint heirs because we're being led and directed by the Spirit of God. He has ears to hear what? Let him hear. Is the Spirit of God still talking? I said, is the Spirit of God still talking? Yes, he is. Amen. Say it with me. He's talking. Flesh-directed people will lead you to a fall as you learn their ways and practice them. Amen. You shouldn't move, you shouldn't be directed, you shouldn't be guided, you shouldn't be doing anything the Spirit of God is not leading you into, and He will. Now, that doesn't mean just sit on a stump and do nothing until you feel something. Amen? If you want to feel lead, then we'll, we'll pass out some little lead weights, you know, anchors for fishing, and you can rub it. I felt lead now. That's the other extreme of this. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. No. Amen. Everybody say, thank God for the book of Jude. Say, thank God for the book of Jude. And when you come back next week, we're going to talk about how you specifically fall proof your life. Amen? With this in mind. Let's give him a hand clap. Let's be receivers. Let's just receive what he has to say to us.